Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Good morning, Ritman Grace, brother in church. You can say a good morning too. Awesome, great to be here with you. Hope everybody's having a great weekend and staying warm. I think it was like seven degrees last night. I checked my phone, like that is cold. <laughs> uh, hopefully everybody's staying warm and enjoying uh, the weekend. And uh, the sun is out today, so that's good news. So uh, my name's Clark and I'm one of the leaders on our staff. And if I haven't had the privilege to meet you yet, I would love to uh, meet you and your family after service. So feel free to stick around. And if we have met, I'd love to just catch up and see what's been going on in your life and uh, seeing how I could pray for you. Um, we are going to continue in a sermon series, like Bud mentioned earlier. Uh, the sermon series is called The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And as you can imagine, we're talking about spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. So uh, like he mentioned as well, I encourage you, if you're just now jumping in, it is week seven of an eight-week series. So I encourage you to go to our website. You can access all of our sermon series as well as uh, if you go to like iTunes and Spotify, stuff of that nature. So we encourage you to do that. We would love to serve you and equip you in that way. Uh, but just to recap a little bit of this series, kind of uh, the why and kind of the heart and uh, why would we do a series on spiritual disciplines? It's really all rooted in what the Apostle Paul says uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, Paul says this, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, which begs another question. Okay, so what is godliness? And you could probably find a lot of definitions on godliness, but what we've been saying is godliness is growing closer to Christ, the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, growing in conformity to Jesus Christ. And so if we're followers of Jesus, if we're calling ourselves Christians, we want to look more and more like the person that we claim to follow. So how do you do that? You do that by practicing and living out the spiritual disciplines. And we said this, uh, spiritual disciplines, the word discipline itself, I think this is kind of like the North American mindset. We hear that word and it has negative connotations and we kind of think, man, this is gonna be tough. This is gonna be burdensome. This sounds restrictive. But the spiritual disciplines are actually liberating because we get to live the lives that God actually calls us to live. And so kind of what we've been doing each week, we've been looking at a different spiritual discipline, and we've been talking about practical ways and trying to give uh, hopefully some practical suggestions to how we can actually live out the spiritual disciplines in our lives. So just to recap a little bit, so far we've talked about uh, Bible intake in week one, talked about the importance of getting into our Bibles. Week two, we looked about, uh, look and talked about the importance of prayer and how important that is. Uh, we talked about worship in week three. In week four, we talked about evangelism. We talked about serving in week five. And if you're with us last week, you might remember uh, Pastor Bud talked about the spiritual discipline of stewardship. So today we want to continue the sermon series. We will talk about our next spiritual discipline, probably everybody's favorite one, in fact, the spiritual discipline of fasting. 
which again, I know that's your favorite one, and, and you would probably be okay if we talked about this every week for the rest of the year. So we're going to start talking about it today. Uh, fasting, uh, the best way to start a message like this, I think, is to ask everybody a question. How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever found yourself getting hangry before? How many of you get hangry? How many of you are like, I don't know what hangry is? Well, let me give you a uh, dictionary.com definition of the word hangry. Hangry is a feeling of feeling irritable or irrationally angry as a result of being hungry. It is a feeling of irritable or irrationally angry as a result of being hungry. So it's kind of a combination of being angry and hungry at the same time. Um, honestly, on a personal level, um, I legitimately think that sometimes I have like early onset diabetes because I think like a couple hours go by and I'm just like irritable, I'm lightheaded, I'm frustrated, and I just need like a snack. I'm just being real honest. Uh, you can ask my wife, Amanda, and she'll be the first one to tell you that uh, Clark needs to eat like every couple of hours. He needs a snack or something, or he's not a fun person to be around. And so maybe you can identify with me in that way, but uh, when, when we're hungry, right, when we're hangry, we find ourselves being short-tempered with people, uh, irritable, and uh, we're just not ourselves. Now, uh, Snickers, if you've seen any of their commercials, they play on this one idea that you're not you when you're hungry. That's their one big idea. You're not you when you're hungry. And one of my favorite Snickers commercials, uh, perhaps you've seen it, but it's set in Asia with a bunch of ninjas. And uh, it's got uh, this guy in it, Mr. Bean. Right, so maybe you've seen this commercial before, uh, but basically uh, you've got all these ninjas in Asia and they're jumping from rooftop to rooftop and it's elegant and it's great. And then you've got Mr. Bean in the back and if you know anything about Mr. Bean, he's very clumsy and he makes a lot of mistakes, which is like the opposite of what a ninja is. And so he's kind of tiptoeing in the back and he's knocking stuff off of the roof, he's making a bunch of noise. And at one point in the commercial, Mr. Bean falls through the roof of one of these buildings, and he's surrounded by all of these enemies. And one of his ninja buddies throws him a Snickers, and he says, hey, you lose focus when you're hungry. And so Mr. Bean, he eats the Snickers, and then what happens? He turns into this ninja, which is who he really is, and then they all escape and live happily ever after. So anyway... Why tell you that story this morning, or why share that commercial with you? Because the reality is, we've all experienced this. We've all experienced this. Uh, hunger does something to us, doesn't it? And it's undeniable, right? We become irritable, we become short-tempered, and we just, we just want to eat, right? And so our solution is to just keep eating, right? Because we don't want to turn into Mr. Bean, right? We don't want to become this person that nobody wants to be around. I think this is crucial for us to understand as we dig into what Jesus is telling us today. We're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 6, and what we're going to see is the Bible is going to challenge us a little bit and say that when we're hungry, we actually have an opportunity. We're being invited to go deeper into discipleship in a way that we never have done before. We don't hear a lot of messages on the topic of fasting, and it's probably because 
people are not a huge fan of the topic. But did you know that the Bible actually talks more about fasting than it does baptism? Jesus fasted, his disciples fasted, and he expects us to fast as well. So the question is, why don't we fast? Well, because fasting is hard and eating is easy, right? It's easy to eat, but it's hard to fast. Um, for some of us, you know, we think, well, I read my Bible, I pray, I'm connected with Jesus, that's good enough. I don't need the spiritual discipline of fasting. Uh, so my hope for this morning is that, again, we would see that Jesus is actually inviting us to go deeper into discipleship with him. And my hope for today is also that really we would just, um, that I could do this for you, that, that I could bring both clarity and simplicity to this very vague spiritual discipline called fasting. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you and invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 6. And let me show you exactly what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 6, and just a little bit of context before we jump in. Uh, this is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached, and I would argue it's probably the most famous sermon that anybody has ever preached. And Jesus gets to this part of his sermon. He talks about this idea of fasting, and here's what he says. We're going to break in at verse 16. It says this, When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So notice what Jesus says right off the top, these three words, when you fast. Jesus is indicating something here. He is assuming that his followers, that his disciples are going to fast. He assumes that we know about fasting. See, many of us, we, we don't know about fasting. We don't know what it looks like aside from a general understanding. And so what is fasting? Well, let's explain it a little bit, and let's take Jesus' lead in doing so, uh, because in this text, in this passage that we're looking at today, uh, before he explains what fasting is, I love what Jesus does. He says what fasting isn't. So Jesus is going to tell us what fasting is not. And notice what he says here, verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. He goes on to say that he disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. So, so why would they do that? They did it so that they could get attention. They intentionally like, chose not to shower, right, to put ashes on their face so that they could get attention from people when they fasted. It'd be like somebody today who didn't shower, didn't put on deodorant, and they, they intentionally looked somber, right? So that they could spark a conversation of interest. And somebody would say, what's going on with you today? Oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm miserable, but, uh, you know, I'm fasting, right? But I'm so committed to God. And that person might look at them and go, wow, you're really spiritual, so if you're taking notes, the first thing that fasting is not, fasting is not a religious medal that you wear for attention. Fasting is not a religious medal that you wear for attention. Uh, like I just said, these hypocrites, these religious elite, they would right, disfigure their faces. They would go out of their way to intentionally make themselves um, 
look somber and, and look sad so that they could spark an interest so that people would ask them why they're fasting. They did it not because they were committed to God. They did it so that they could make a big production out of it, so that they could get attention. The Leviticus chapter 23 in the Old Testament, God commands the Israelites to fast. And he does that. This is the one day out of the year. is the day of atonement where they would... Uh, sacrifice a lamb for their sins, and then God would, would tell them to deny themselves. And so it actually doesn't use the word fast, it says the, to, to deny themselves. In Luke 18, we learn that these Pharisees, these hypocrites, would actually fast twice a week. So every Monday and every Thursday would come around, and as you can imagine, right, ashes on their face, right, not showering, and they would draw attentions to themselves. But notice what Jesus says here in this passage in Matthew. Verse 17, he says, But when you fast, when you fast, pour oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, in other words, the point that Jesus is making here is this. Just be normal. Be normal so nobody is distracted and asks you why you're fasting, right? When you wake up, shower, put on deodorant, right? Don't try to make yourself look somber and sad. Just be normal because it's between your heart and your heavenly Father. So, the second thing that fasting is not, if you're taking notes... Fasting is not a weight loss strategy. Fasting is not a weight loss strategy. Um, I hate to break it to you, but the reward that Jesus is talking about in verse 18 is not losing weight. Right? It's not losing five pounds to make our love handles a little bit smaller, to look better for the summer. Right? I wish that was the case, but it's not. That's not the reward that Jesus is talking about here. So, so what is fasting? If it's not a weight loss strategy, if it's not a religious medal that you wear for attention, then what is biblical fasting? Well, let me give you a helpful definition. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what about fasting from other stuff, right? Like sugar or meat or television or social media? Uh, because a lot of us, right, some of us might be observing uh, this thing that we call Lent, right, this 40 days that lead up to the celebration of Jesus' victory over Satan, sin, and death, and the resurrection. And so a lot of people will give stuff up for Lent, like sugar or meat or TV or music. And biblical fasting uh, specifically is dealing with food, but you can take that principle and you could apply it to a lot of different things which is good because the reality is uh, good things that become God things turn into bad things. So if we're always finding ourselves clinging to television and to social media, um, you know, sugar, meat, whatever that is, if we're clinging to those things and we're not clinging to Jesus, then it's probably worth fasting, right, so that we can cling to Jesus more. So the, now that we kind of know the motivation, and the why behind fasting. Let's look at the what now. What does fasting actually look like? There's like seven or eight different types of fasts, but for the sake of brevity, I just want to talk about the three most common types. 
So three types of fasting. The first one I want to give you this morning is called a regular fast. What is a regular fast? Uh, it's avoiding food, but not water. A biblical case for this would be um, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, where Jesus fasts. The Bible says that uh, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then it's like the understatement of the century in verse 2. He was hungry. And you're like, duh, I'd be hungry too. But what's interesting is that the Bible says that he was hungry, but it doesn't say that he was thirsty, which indicates that Jesus fasted from food. He avoided food, but not water. And some of you that are you know, way more of a medical expert, uh, I'm sure my wife could probably you know, explain it to me way better, but um, you, know, you can go without food for some time, but you can't go without water. Right? I'm sure Google would back me up, right? And probably people that are actually professionally, you know, medical people could back me up on that. And so regular fast is avoiding food, but not water. The second type of fast I want to give you this morning is called a partial fast. Okay, so what's a partial fast? In Daniel chapter 1, uh, what you see in the Bible is Daniel and three other Jewish men decide to fast. But they do it by just eating vegetables and drinking water. And so, you know, if, if you're not having sugar, you're not having meat, right? you're just having vegetables and water. And so every time you're, you find yourself tempted uh, to have a Snickers, right? Every time you find yourself tempted to have a beef stick, um, you remember Jesus. Right? That's a partial fast. The third type of fast I'll give you this morning is called an occasional fast. So an occasional fast, uh, there could be a special occasion or a unique event taking place. Um, a good biblical case for this would be uh, the story of Esther. So if you know anything about Esther, she was this amazing woman in the Old Testament. And basically, I would encourage you to read it on your own time. Uh, it's a great uh, book of the Old Testament. But uh, Esther, she went before the king. And to do this without being summoned before the king would basically be like suicide. And so Esther, what she does, and the reason she does this is to save her people, the Jews, the nation of the Jews. And so before she does this, guess what she does? She fasts. And not only does Esther fast, but her people, the Jews, they fast as well. Because there was this special occasion or this unique event that was about to take place. So, hear me say this. It's really, really important uh, to see that there's not strict guidelines for fasting. There's a lot of freedom uh, when we fast. So, once a week over lunch, instead of having lunch, you could spend that time in the Bible or prayer. Or maybe for you, it's uh, one day out of the month is a regular fast. Or maybe for you, it's one month out of the year you fast from television or you fast from social media and you find that there's a lot of freedom in this. But all that to say, uh, the missing component really is kind of why do you do this? Why do you fast? If you're taking notes, write this down. Fasting needs a purpose. Fasting needs a purpose. Uh, Christian fasting without having a purpose is, is really not Christian fasting. It's just going hungry. You're going to find yourself feeling, like we talked about earlier, right? Frustrated and irritable. You're going to be that guy or that girl that nobody wants to be around because you are just so hungry all the time because you don't have a purpose. So having a purpose for fasting is really, really key. 
it reminds us why we do it. It gives us the motivation in our fasting, and it gives us the fuel that we need to fast. And so every time our stomach gurgles, right, we remember, oh yeah, I'm doing this for a purpose. And for some of us, you know, the purpose that we fast might be because, you know, when we hear our stomach growl, we think, you know what, I need to be praying for my son, that he comes to know Jesus through faith and repentance at an early age. And so that's the purpose in which I'm fasting today. Or maybe for some of us, we fast, and when we hear our stomach gurgle, right, when we feel that, we're like, oh, I'm so hungry. We remember, oh yeah, I am fasting for the purpose of praying that God would raise up more workers to go out and harvest his fields, to go to different remote places around the world to take the gospel to the unreached peoples. And so maybe for you, that's your purpose for fasting. For some of us, the purpose in our fasting might be so that we can give more sacrificially to be living on mission for Christ. So when we drive past uh, the depot or Burger King or Giannino's and we smell that amazing food, we go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm fasting for the purpose so that I can give more sacrificially. There's different purposes for fasting. You need a purpose. Let me give you just four this morning. Four purposes for fasting. The first one, we fast for focus. We fast for focus. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we learn about the story of Jehoshaphat, which is a really fun word to say. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, Jehoshaphat. All right. So Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. And a little bit of context. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, verse 2, it talks about this great multitude coming against them. And then in verse 3, it says that they were afraid of this great multitude. And so guess what they do? Can you guess? They seek God through fasting. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, it says, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, and this is key, but our eyes are on you. In other words, the future is unclear, but I look at a God that is in control. And so we fast to focus, to set our eyes on God. And so maybe some of you this morning, you have a decision to make in your life right now, and it requires focus. This might be a good time to ask, maybe I need to fast. Maybe I need to fast so that I can focus and set my eyes on God with this big decision in my life. Uh, the second purpose for fasting is for appetite, which kind of seems funny at face value, but hear me out here. Uh, we mentioned this earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. What we see here is Jesus, when he was... Uh, in the wilderness, it says, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now here's the fundamental truth. We never stop consuming. We live in a culture where we are always, always consuming something. We consume information. We consume food. We consume attention. We consume opportunities. But the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus shows us that fasting prevents us from filling the appetite with food 
so that we have to look elsewhere to fill that appetite. That's why in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's this idea of intensifying our hunger for God. And maybe you can relate to this, but for a lot of us, when we first become believers in Christ, right, when we first come to Jesus through faith and repentance, we are really hungry for God. And we are really hungry for God's Word. In fact, I can tell you, when I first came to Jesus through faith and repentance, when I became a Christian, I took my Bible everywhere with me. And I didn't have the iPhone yet, so I, I had to use an actual Bible. But I remember like, just getting in my car and going, going to Silver Creek Metro Park and just sitting at the picnic table on a nice summer day and just reading my Bible like all day. Why? Because I was so hungry for God. I was so hungry for the Word of God. And I still like to read my Bible, but if I look back to when I first became a Christian, I was really hungry for the Word. So how do we get back to that? How do we get back to a place where we are really hungry for God and for the things that are on God's heart? We do it through fasting so that we can build an appetite for the things of God, for the Word of God and for the mission of God. The next one is fasting over our sin. Fasting over our sin. Uh, the Bible talks about this in 1 Samuel chapter 7. A little bit of context here. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, Israel has been disobedient to God. And what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 7 is that they've ran away from him. The Bible says they've worshipped other gods. They've turned away from God. Enemies are coming against them. They know they do not have the favor of God. And so what we have here is the Israelites, they're afraid, they know they're disobedient, and they're convicted. And then 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, the Bible says, On that day they fasted, and there they confessed. Here it is. Ready? We have sinned against the Lord. So here's the question for you this morning. Do you feel numb about your sin? Do you feel numb about your sin? Do you find yourself committing sins that at one point in your life, you would be like, man, I can't believe I just did that. That really grieves the heart of God. And now you find yourself committing those same sins, and you're just kind of normalized. You're just kind of numb to it. and You just think, well, this is just the way it is. Think of it this way. I started playing guitar when I was 14 years old. And I remember when I first started playing the guitar, about an hour into it, my fingers would sting. There'd be blisters on my fingers. And I would just be like, man, this really hurts. You know, 15 years later, I play guitar for hours. It doesn't even phase me because I have these little calluses on the tip of my fingers where what used to hurt no longer hurts. And, you know, I think that's how it is with our sin sometimes. Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew chapter 13. And he says, I don't have this in my notes, so I'm just going to read it. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and I would, I would heal them. And so this idea that we become callous, what used to hurt no longer hurts. And so how do we get back to the point of feeling the weight of our sin? Which I know that doesn't sound real exciting, but to follow Jesus, to be 
a disciple of Christ, right, it's good to feel the weight of our sin. How do we get back to that? We do it through fasting. So whether we are uh, fasting because of over our sin or whether we're fasting because we're trying to focus, you know, uh, fasting is a lot more practical than, than, we, than we realize it to be. Uh, the next one is fasting and trembling, which sounds a little bit weird at first, but let me explain what I mean by that. Fasting and trembling, um, in the book of Judges, chapter 20, verse 18 through 28, to give you kind of the background for this, I know we're hopping around a little bit this morning, but in Judges, chapter 20, verse 18 to 28, verse 18, it says that they had an enemy coming against them, the Israelites, and they inquired of the Lord. And so what they do is they go into battle, and the Bible says that they lose 22,000 men. And the Bible says that they weep, they mourn, they're sad, and they go back to God a second time. They inquire of Him again in verse 23. And in that day, the Bible says they lose another 18,000 men. So just to gain perspective, because I know sometimes we can just read over that and not think twice about it. In two days, the Bible says they lost 40,000 men. 40,000 men die. They don't know what to do. They're trembling and they're afraid. So what do they do? They come back for a third time. And guess what's different? Well, in verse 26, we read, it says, And all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel, there they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening, presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. And then you bounce down to verse 28. It says, The Lord responded, Go, for tomorrow I will give them into your hands. And so the point is, God gave them victory over this unbeatable enemy. And so here's the deal. When it comes to us, we fast when we fear and don't have a way forward. We fast when we fear and we don't have a way forward. And it's this idea of saying, God, I'm trembling and I want you to handle this. I'm trusting God. And so the question is, what are you trembling for right now? Is it COVID-19? Is it the fact that things haven't been normal since March of last year? Is it the fact that the future is uncertain? We don't know what the future holds. Is this a good opportunity for us to fast and trembling? I think it is. It reminds us that God is our refuge. So, like I said, there's so many purposes to fast. There's fasting for focus. There's fasting and trembling. There's uh, fasting so that we can pray for the salvation of other people. But fasting is one of those things that, you know, we, we don't like. We don't like it because... We like to eat. But fasting is something that the Bible makes it abundantly clear. It draws us into deeper discipleship with Christ. And so I think that's, that's been a helpful reminder for me. I hope it helps you as well. I want to invite the band up. And as they're uh, getting settled in, I want to actually circle back around to our scripture reading for this morning. Uh, Rich read it earlier, but in Matthew 9, Jesus was questioned about fasting. And the Bible says... Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. 
In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that when they're with me, when they're with the bridegroom, it's a reason to celebrate, not mourn and weep from fasting. And so he's like, Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave someday. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die, and I'm going to be with my Father in heaven after I raise from the grave on the third day. And I'm going to come back. But my people will fast because when I'm gone, they're homesick. That's why the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, the angel declares, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so let me just close by encouraging you with this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know, we are fasting when Jesus is gone because we're homesick for heaven. We're homesick for Jesus. But there's going to come a day where there's no sin, there's no fear, there's no trembling. There's just praising Jesus. And so fasting is really saying, I'm hungry, but supper is coming. I'm hungry, but supper is coming. Let me pray for us. God, we just, we thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, just forgive us for times where we uh, don't acknowledge you, where we fail to, you know, go back to our first love, the way, the way Revelation would describe it, God. We, we lose sight of who you are and just the amazing grace, what you've done for us through your sacrifice on the cross and through your raising to life and inviting us into that amazing victory over Satan, sin, and death. Lord, forgive us for losing sight of that, the amazing things that you've done in and through us, and, and just sending your Holy Spirit to, to live in us. Lord, help us to see that fasting is, is not something to uh, endure, but it's a different way to go deeper in discipleship with you. It's a different way for us to engage your heart. God, we want to lock arms with you as followers of Christ and to live in obedience to you and to be on mission for you, God. So help us not to see fasting as this uh, burdensome thing that we have to do as followers of Christ, but help us to see it as an invitation to go deeper in discipleship with you, God. Um, I pray that we uh, would just be a blessing to you as we go about our week. Help us to ponder these things that we've talked about this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.